Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Gabe Karp, talking about his book, Don't Get Mad at Penguins, and other ways to detox the conflict in your life and business. Gabe spent the first 10 years of his career as a trial lawyer. Then he joined a small technology startup as one of the key executives who grew ePrize into one of the top digital promotions companies in the world. He has negotiated business and finance deals in the hundreds of millions of dollars and frequently speaks on embracing healthy conflict. Through all of his experiences in life and business, Gabe has developed a unique philosophy for dealing with conflict. While most people shy away from conflict, Gabe has found that the key to healthy communication is not to eliminate conflict, it's to detoxify it. In this episode, we're going to look at the four toxins that infect our conflict and drag it into unproductive territory. We'll see how to keep those toxins at healthy levels as we engage in conflict with our teenagers. We'll talk about a helpful tactic called the shopping list voice. We'll also look at some tips for making people feel heard. And we'll see some really savvy strategies for how to actually make them feel like you've deeply heard them and understood them. All of that and more is coming up on the show today. Gabe, thank you so much for being here. Talk to me about this book, Don't Get Mad at Penguins. This book is about conflict and how to detox conflict. Why are you interested in that topic? What caused you to write a book about this? One of the big misconceptions out there is that conflict is a bad thing that should be avoided at all costs. I mean, I see that in companies. I see that with like individuals and kind of navigating their careers. And, and I see that with family members, you know, trying to navigate the, uh, the holiday dinner table. <laughs> but what I found is that that's a real big misconception and that conflict is not something that should be avoided. When I think about the times when I've had success, when in the relationships that I'm happiest, it's when we lean into conflict and we don't avoid it. But it's important to realize that there's healthy conflict and there's toxic conflict. Engaging in toxic conflict, well, it's toxic. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not healthy, it's not fun. And, and that, is, that is bad. You should avoid toxic conflict. The book really delves into the natural toxins that build up in human interaction, like what they are, how to identify them, and then how to detox them from your conflict. So you can have, you know, you can engage in healthy conflict that really drives and propels growth and gets people into a more transparent and honest and genuine dialogue. Yeah, because right, if no one is ever giving honest feedback or if everyone is just agreeing with each other, saying what we want to hear, then that's not necessarily gonna be the best for us all to grow and really have depth in our relationships and our communication. Absolutely. If all you ever tell me 
is what I want to hear that's going to make me feel good in the moment, you're probably not going to really tell me anything that's going to cause me to challenge myself or, you know, venture outside my comfort zone. I'll just stay in that nice little cozy cocoon of stagnation. I think this really is relevant for parenting because well, as a parent, it's really easy to get into the mindset like, oh, there's so much back talk and arguing and conflict in my household. And I wish I could just get rid of that and we could just live in peace and harmony. And But there is a certain extent to which it is good that your kids feel like they can challenge you on things. And we don't necessarily want to get rid of that. We just want to detoxify it. And I like how you were talking about healthy versus unhealthy conflict. What does that look like? What are the, what's the difference between healthy versus unhealthy conflict? Sure. Some of the big toxins that we're talking about yeah. are anger, fear, ego, and judgment. Those things all occur naturally and within an optimal range are actually really healthy and, and do a lot of good. Yeah. Even anger. Right. When I'm angry, my anger basically motivates me to fix stuff that's broken. And then the key is once it's fixed to let go of the anger to not let it <laughs> stick around and, and, and be yeah. toxic. But when in thinking about parents and teens, you know, parents are often the source of the toxins. Um, because as, as, as I would say this as a parent and I, you know, I'm, I'm a parent, I've got three teenage girls. Um, there's no shortage of opportunities for, uh, for a toxic <laughs> conflict, but as a parent, I have fear about my kids. You know, they're like going out into the world and they're interacting with people that could be, you know, that I don't know, and I'm not there to protect them. And I just have this vague sense that, oh my gosh, they're in danger. And that scares me on some level. It makes me mad that I'm scared. The reason I'm scared is that I don't have control over every waking moment of their lives. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and I'm frustrated that I can't control that. And I'm scared because they're out in the real world and you know, in the real world, good and bad things happen. So a lot of parents manage that fear by clamping down on their kids. Yeah, Just, yeah. all right, you, you, you want to go do what? With who? All right, you're on the line. No. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Right. End of discussion. Yeah. When you do that, the kids are just, they're just going to figure out how to go do that stuff without you knowing about sure. it. Because who wants to deal with some parent yelling at them? We've taken, my wife and I have taken the approach that we want to prepare them for the world. And we do want to set boundaries. But the focus of the boundary is, is not, this is the boundary of what I will permit you to do. It's more, this is the boundary of what is good for you and what is not good for you. Yeah. Like if you cross that boundary, you're the one who's going to suffer more consequences. Yeah. And the, consequent, the consequences you suffer are not going to be from my anger or my discipline. Right. There might be discipline from me, but that's probably going to be the least of your worry. <laughs> Right. But then a lot of times it does get into ego because it can reflect bad on us as parents. If our children are making bad choices or are getting into trouble or are not as successful as we think they should be, and we take that personal a little bit or that that means we're doing a bad job or we're not as good of parents as we should be. And then oh, our friend's kid just got accepted into this prestigious 
summer program and what is my kid doing or what well, there's so many I think opportunities to make it about us and make it about our own ego in parenting and so I think it's interesting that you specifically called that out in your book as one of the four toxins yeah ego is a big one so many I'll just say of us try to live vicariously through our teens yeah and that's kind of unfair to them now mm. that doesn't mean we don't do it <laughs> and that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that even I don't do it but that does put a certain kind of pressure on a team that just isn't healthy. It's not productive. Now, I would say this, you know, I mean, I, I've made it clear to, to my kids that if kids come over here and they're not, let's say, they're not like you because you're a wonderful kid. Let's say they're one of the bad kids, which would never be you, child. Um, but, but, you know, if you've got someone here who wants to drink our alcohol or something like that, you can't let them do it. And that's a rule. So that's certainly a rule that I'm imposing. But let me tell you what happens when that rule gets violated. Like, I'm going to make it really uncomfortable for you to the point where you're never going to want to deal with that level of discomfort because I'm going to get involved in your social life. You know, mm. I'd rather my ego, I haven't had the conversation with my child this way, but I'd have no problem having it this way. I'd say, look, yeah. um, one of the things you're going to have to deal with as is, is being my child is I have ego. And you're going to have to learn how to manage my ego. <laughs> and and I, I wish I could say I don't have ego, but hey, yeah. that's what we're stuck with. You know, and if you uh, want to view it as a, as a disability I have, well, that's the reality. Right. So let me give you some ideas as how best to manage my ego. And then, you know, you can kind of build on a conversation from there. That's style. And that's maybe how I talk and other people don't necessarily talk that way. But sure, the, the substance of the message, I think, can be plugged into lots of different communication styles. So yeah, you talked about fear, anger, ego, and judgment has come up a lot of times on this podcast, how toxic it can be when we judge our teens. And even sometimes, you know, they'll tell us something about like a friend and, uh, you know, my friend is doing something. And if we react in a really judgmental way, then that just like shuts down communication and makes them feel like they can't open up to us more or tell us more because maybe it's not really about the friend maybe it's actually it's about them or they wanted to talk about the friend first to see how you respond to that and then there's more there um, that they want to talk about and I think so often being judgmental can really shut down a dialogue with the teenager yeah absolutely if your child feels that you negatively judge one of their friends they're just not going to want to hear that judgment if they bring up oh yeah i was hanging out with so-and-so today right. so instead they're just not going to mention it you know just yeah i was hanging out i mentioned the other friends that were there that they know you like and then yeah and the result is your your child is now hanging out with someone that you judge negatively and you have no idea that it's happening mm. and i think it's helpful for a parent to keep that in mind because that will help keep your judgment in check. Like you're going to have the judgment. Your child's going to tell you something. Oh yeah, so-and-so was, I don't know, throwing rocks at, at, at windows. Right. And then you kind of make that mental note. Okay, Billy down the street throws rocks. Um, you know. <laughs> but as that thought bubbles up in your mind and starts to form words that are about to come out of your mouth, that would be something along the lines of, well, that Billy, I always knew he was a bad kid. Yeah. Instead, that should be the check. Because if you do say that, then you're probably never going to hear about your kid being around Billy again. Yeah, right. But you can still have the judgment and still use it and just channel it. You know, oh, 
So what do you think about Billy throwing rocks at windows? <laughs> you think that's a good thing? Or, I mean, you can create an opportunity. You can create a, a space for a substantive conversation with your kid about someone doing something bad out there. Yeah. Just kind of feeling out how do they feel about it? Going back to the difference between healthy and unhealthy conflict, or when we're able to engage in that same conversation, but without these toxins entering in, it can be much more productive. And how can we sort of keep the judgment in check and keep the ego in check? Yeah, I would say like talking about judgment, let's forget about other friends. Maybe it's judgment of your kids. So you walk yeah. in your kid's room and it's just a mess. Yeah. If you say, this room is a pigsty. Well, the word pigsty has judgment attached to it. A little judgmental, yeah. Yeah, the only time the term pigsty does not have judgment attached to it is when you are on a pig farm referring to an area of the farm. Then then there's no judgment. (laughs) No, this is a literal pigsty. Yeah, Yeah, there's the pigsty over there. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But when, you know, when when you see the proverbial pigsty in the kid's room, you know, what's the goal? Well, the goal is to get them to clean up the room. You can be a parent. You can lay down the law and say, this room better be clean in 15 minutes or else, and then fill in the blank with whatever the else is. And the room will get clean, probably, but there is some negativity injected into that dynamic. Yeah. And it sounds like some anger. Yes. So at that point, you can kind of take the pause and say, all right, my goal is to get this child to clean this friggin' room that's been messy <laughs> for so long. And I'm really mad about it. But instead of using the word pigsty, instead, be very accurate in your description. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a 3D old banana peel on that desk. And, and there are, there are, and I think there might be some fuzzy, is that mold that's growing on it? I'm not sure. Um, and I don't know if this is a science project you're working on. Well, hey, let's maybe uh, cordon it off so it doesn't affect anything else. You know, in other words, you can, you can turn it into sort of be making observations that are literal observations. Yeah. And then just saying, look, when I was a kid, I didn't want to clean my room either, but you got to clean your room. You can't live like this. You know, please clean it up. And this is the third time I've asked you if there's a fourth time, it's going to start. My frustration will soon become your frustration. So let's not make, <laughs> let, let's not go down that road. You have the power. <laughs> you have the power to, to derail um, the frustration train. <laughs> Empower the child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really leaving the choice up to them, but making it clear that there are consequences. Yes. That's a tool, by the way, that I've, I've used many times with my kids. Years ago, I remember we were going out of town for a night and it was like the first time we weren't going to get a babysitter. So it was, it was you know, that was a big moment. And, you know, talking to one of my daughters, like, so, you know, what are the plans? Oh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to have some people over. (laughs) I I said, well, hold on a second. Yeah. I I backed up. I said, listen, if I'm you, I'm thinking this is the first time from my parents going out of town. It's an opportunity to demonstrate that I'm trustworthy so that yep. in the future, it's, I, can, I can have more freedom when they're out of town. And, you know, I, I can, like, take their concerns off the table moving forward. Like, if I were you, I'd be thinking long term here. But let's talk about short term. Like, you can't have a party when we're out of town. And I'm just going to say a party is more than four people. <laughs> you know, what I like doing is telling her, you have a lot of influence here. You have power. You have control. 
And there are ways you can use it that are going to really benefit you moving forward. And there are also ways that if you use it, well, if you misuse it, it's going to hurt you moving forward. Mm. Like we may not leave you alone ever again. <laughs> or yeah, right. if we do, we may make you check in with us more frequently than you know, you're going to want. It's going to cramp your style. But right. if you can convince us that everything's fine, that's going to make it really easy. Yeah. And if you want to risk, if you want to risk lying to us to create the appearance that it's easy, well, I, you could do that too. But if I catch you, then we got to deal with that. It'd be even worse then. <laughs> yeah, right. Then it's going to make your job a lot, yeah, a lot harder. recommend a tactic known as the shopping list voice? I do. Is that something that would ever be useful with teenagers that you have ever used as a father? Absolutely. I guess maybe we'll run through a scenario. Yeah. I'm so used to talking to the business world, but business examples. Yeah. yeah but, but I mean, just the reality is like the stuff that happens in the boardroom at the board level it's the exact same dynamics that I was mm -hmm. dealing with in high school, even middle school. Um, yep. So there's no difference. <laughs> let's say um, I get a call from the, the principal of the school, let's say, and the principal says, um, your child got into a food fight in the cafeteria. <laughs> in addition to your child, you're going to be suspended. Some grape juice was spilled over this very nice, I don't know, tapestry that we had, and someone's going to have to pay to replace that. Um, and that someone's going to be you. I, you know, let's assume that happens. <laughs> let's say, so I get that call and now I'm mad, right? I'm yeah, really yeah. pissed off as I should be, which is a natural human emotion. Totally. So I slam the phone down and I march over to my child and I say, and I just start laying in like, hey, I just got the phone with the principal. They said you got into a food flight. Are you kidding me? And then you damage this thing. Well, guess who's going to pay for that? You are, you know, and I just go on this <laughs> Complete tirade. Right. Well, like two seconds into that tirade, if I really am yelling and what I just did an example is like, let's say that's at like a three. Imagine I dial that up to like a nine. You know, there are neurological pathways in the brain that get shut down when someone is attacked. Yeah. Um, and it does get to the point where the person that is being yelled at literally cannot process the, mm. the substance of what is being said. Yeah. Because the neural pathways to the part of the brain that processes those things have been shut down. So the inbrain not even getting there. Yeah. So it's not communication. That's just me beating up on my, on my child. Yeah. That's not like good parenting. Now, by the way, that may a good, be a healthy cathartic thing for me. Right. Yeah. It feels great. You just get your anger out. I'm just venting. And then after that, <laughs> I feel, well, oh, okay, this is great. And then I can say, all right, now child, now it's good. But, um, so think about a shopping list voice. You say to me, hey, Gabe, I'm going to the store. You want me to pick you something up? I say, sure, I'm going to make a cake. So can you pick up some eggs, milk, flour, sugar, frosting, and sprinkles? It's a shopping list voice. Mm. It's dispassionate. Yeah, right. It's very matter of fact. You get it. So applying that to this situation to say, I just got out the phone with the principal and they said you were in a food fight. And they said that uh, some grape juice was spilled on this thing and needs to be replaced in addition to the fact that you're, you're being suspended. And as a result of that, like your mother and I now have to go to the school, sit down with the principal, either defend your actions or agree with them that your actions are what they are. And like, 
we're going to be having a conversation with them where there's not going to really be any question as to whether or not you did something bad. The, the, the only questions are going to be about why did you do something bad? What is the likelihood you're going to do something bad in the future? Mm. What the impact is it? Like it's going to be a whole conversation that you're not part of that's all about you and it's very negative. And we're going to have to go do that now. And, you know, we have to pay for this. It's not fair that we have to pay for it. Uh, you need to pay for it. So it's going to come out of allowance or whatever it is. You know, in other words, they're not going to like what I'm saying to them. Or if you're the parent, they're not going to like what you're saying to them, but at least they're going to hear every word. And you can communicate that without them feeling the anger. Now, by the way, if you are angry, they should know that you're angry. And it's perfectly fine to say, to say, look, you know, I'm really mad about this. Like I resent the fact that I've now got to take time out of my day and go have a conversation about why you did this bad thing. I would much rather have a conversation with them about why you're, why you're doing so awesome and how great that is. But that, we're not in that world today because, you know, look, I'm not saying a kid should ever get a free pass for, for doing something bad. There's accountability and there should be discipline in that. Again, in a shopping list voice, so I understand you've been, you've got to eat your lunch in the principal's office for the next week. That's what, that's what he said. But in addition to that, at home, these are now the restrictions on you as a direct result of this. Hopefully you're not going to do this sort of thing again. So we don't have to impose more restrictions because I don't like having to impose restrictions on you, but I have to, because I'm your parent. And that's my job. One option is I could just pretend I'm not your parent, or I could just ignore my responsibilities as a parent. And that leads to all kinds of other things. It doesn't even matter. I'm not going down that road. So we don't have to discuss it. But I like giving the child the different perspectives. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's so much easier to hear when it's calm and dispassionate and it's not coming in the form of screaming in your face. Yeah, I would say the shopping this voice, it is extremely effective in any situation in which you are angry about something and you need to give feedback or address an issue. Um, yeah. But I would say this, uh, to ensure that you deliver something in a shopping list voice is you got to practice it first. Yeah, because I could see, you know, trying to do that thing. Principal just called and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. As you're like ripping the arm off the chair without even. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, so listen, there are lots of, ways you can relieve stress. You can punch a pillow, do breathing exercises, take a run around the block, go to the batting cage. There's like, that's for a different podcast is how to relieve stress, but yeah. no shortage of methods to do that just a few clicks away, but do that and then practice the delivery of the message in the shopping list voice. And if you can't maintain the shopping list voice throughout the entire message, then you're not ready. Go do something again. We're here today with Gabe Karp talking about how to detoxify conflict with our teenagers. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. Don't get mad at penguins because they can't fly. Another way to look at this is that we can't choose how other people behave. We have almost no control over it. And when they behave in ways that don't serve our interests and they don't behave the way we want them to because they're literally not capable of it, then getting mad at them for that is like getting mad at a penguin because it can't fly. It's a completely futile act. So that's why it's a lesson in acceptance. And once you accept it, 
once you accept the person for their limitations, everything gets lighter. You don't get angry. You don't blame them. You stop judging them. Right. You, you might get, you might get a little frustrated. Like I wish they literally could fly, yeah. um, but they, but they can't. And I understand that they're never going to be able to, and it's unrealistic for me to expect that to ever happen. So I'm not going to go down that road. I've taken the approach of inviting my team to say, now, look, these are my concerns. If you think these should not be my concerns, or if you have answers to all these concerns, why they're all being addressed with you still being able to go to the party, I'll hear you out, but you're going to have to do a good job. Like you're now stepping out of like the pure, like teen parent role. You just got to convince me as another human being that my concerns aren't that bad or that you have addressed them. And when I push back on whatever it is you're saying, don't get offended. Don't get upset. Just understand that's part of this process. That's like, if you want to convince somebody, you got to be able to address all of the rebuttals. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, teach them how to argue with you. Yeah. If you open it up and you welcome the debate with your child, you will empower your child to try to continue to debate with you in the future, which is way better than them saying, well, I'm going to avoid this conversation entirely and not even tell my parent what's going on. You can understand something logically and intellectually. That does not mean that you understand it emotionally. Mm. And just because something makes sense and, you know, things that make sense, they always make sense. Right. When you can elicit a response from somebody that says, what you just said does make sense, that happens long before that person can understand it on an emotional level. And ex- mm. more importantly, accept it on an emotional level. It's like, I can't go to the party. The, the reasons you're giving me make sense. Right. Why? But there's no emotion attached to it. I Like, right. I still really want to go. Still want to go. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like if I were talking to one of my teens, it's like, you know, I got to tell you, when I was 12, grandma made me wear these clothes or, you know, something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Kind of relate back to that, especially if it's grandma, someone they know. Yeah. When grandma did this or she wouldn't let me do that, I was so embarrassed that I couldn't be part of it. I, or I felt so bad, you know, and just kind of jump into how you felt at the time. And if if it is a time when you were a teenager, then you're going to speak in teenage emotional terms. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.